right, it is 5.20 in uh, the east, uh, 3.20 out in uh, the mountain time zone where I am located, and I would have to check my phone uh, to see. Actually, I will, I will check really quickly to see what time it is. Apple has this really cool world clock in uh, the uh, Czech Republic. It's uh, 11.21 in the Czech Republic, and that's where the NHL season gets underway tomorrow uh, with Nashville and San Jose I believe it's a noon Eastern start. Uh, I'd have to double check on that. Uh, so if you're in a fantasy league, uh, you need to be aware that this season starts in Europe tomorrow, but the rest of the offseason continues in Canada and in uh, North America uh, in, until the season gets going next Tuesday as we are joined by uh, Michael Amato as he does every Thursday and quite a weird situation with that European start tomorrow. Um, You know, in one of our leagues, we're having those two teams. You just have to be cap compliant with your players and you could still do the rest of your preseason stuff, but kind of throws a wrench into fantasy leagues, doesn't it? Yeah. Only uh, one more night left here with everyone's, uh, fantasy fantasy draft still looking perfect before the season gets underway but yeah it does uh i think most leagues have like i think this week and next week combined into one one matchup if you're doing head-to-head right um but yeah it's obviously something you have to uh be prepared for make sure you know if you have any uh sharks or preds players um get them in the lineup because there's obviously still preseason games going on uh mm-hmm. tomorrow and saturday which is weird it almost has that feel of like a couple of years ago, I don't know. If, I think it was the was the Flames and the Canucks playing like regular season games during the during the playoffs there for yeah. for a week. It kind of has that weird feeling of like, hey, we got some games that really count in the standings, but there's also preseason games. So yeah, it's weird. I, I it's also interesting because I think a lot of people probably have already completed their drafts um, by now, and uh, just to get these games in. But yeah, if, if there's an injury in some of these preseason games, that's uh, that's not going to be good if you drafted anybody. So we'll see. Yeah, it is. It's a really bizarre situation when you have preseason games. And I'm not a huge fan of these trips, although I do like these trips uh, if a team is going to do it at the start of the season rather than midway through the season. That midway European trip seems crazy weird to me. And the NFL does it. Uh, they're doing it again this week. I just, at the start of the season, get it out of the way and then get your system back to normal because there is an, an adjustment, obviously, to the time. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think obviously the NFL, um, they can do it cause they get a week off and, and right. I think a lot of the teams have, have buys sometimes after, but yeah, it would be really tricky, um, in the NHL to do that from, from a scheduling perspective. So we're going to give away a uh, Dauber Hockey Fantasy Guide uh, in our conversation today to some lucky uh, listener uh, or uh, viewer. But we're also going to talk about some some really interesting situations around the National Hockey League. First of all, uh, this wasn't really on our list, but uh, Jason Robertson signs his deal late last night. Uh, Here are the details. This guy, uh, I mean... He do you like? There's a chance he could score 50 in this contract. This is a really good deal for the Dallas Stars. If it works out for Jason Robertson, they're going to pay a lot, similar to Matthew Kachuk. But to get this done, first of all, for the season was important. And if you're in a cap league and you have Jason Robertson, you love that number. Hello. Hello. Oh, can you hear us? Did, did we Still lose here, you there? Yep. Oh. Sorry, just for a second, yeah. 
Oh, sorry, sorry we lost you. I anyway, I'm just, <laughs> uh, just asking about this contract for, for the uh, Dallas Stars. Um, and if you're in a cap league, you love that number. The Dallas Stars love that number. The number could get a lot bigger, but right now is what's important in, in the, in the, in the uh, big scheme of things is getting him on the ice. Yeah, I'm actually uh, somewhat surprised with that number. Um, some of the contracts we saw recently with uh, Stutzla, Kairou, um, and then the other day with Barzell, I thought um, Robertson would come in a lot higher than what it did. But yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty good bargain for the Stars. Um, fingers crossed he he won't miss any regular season games because it looks like he'll have some time to get ready to go. Um, I thought it might have been like a Brady Kachuk situation last year where he missed the first handful of games, but. Uh, yeah, they got him in. That's that's great value for them and uh, four years. So yeah, should be should be a good deal for all sides, and that's pretty good value for him. Yeah, I, and I, there's a chance you can get a 50 goal guy out of seven and a, seven point seven five million. Uh, it, it's pretty uh, amazing. Uh, so anyway, one of the things we wanted to talk about is uh, people in new places, and you know, for that. That, that means coaches as well. And, and we know coaches and, you know, managers have the biggest impact on where your players play and how they play. And this is going to be an interesting study in New York with the Islanders because Lane Lambert is uh, in his first year as a head coach, 11 years with Nashville, Washington, and New York, otherwise known as the Barry Trott School of Coaching. And he has a PhD uh, from that institution. But what are your expectations for Lane Lambert on Long Island this year and the players that he'll be coaching? Yeah, it's interesting because everyone seems like from a fantasy hockey world, everyone seems really excited that um, Trotz is out of there because they think a lot of the Isles players, um, you know, might get a little bit more leeway, might be put up a little bit more offensive numbers. But as you mentioned, you know, Lambert is um, a direct disciple of Barry Trotz. He's been with them forever. So I'm not sure how, uh, different their coaching styles are going to be. So I'm, I think there might be a lot of disappointed people um, hoping for the Matt Barzells or the Oliver Wallstroms to uh, really kind of take off for a huge season. Um, and yeah, I think with him, like I think everyone there is most concerned with Barzell because he had such a strong uh, rookie season and he's kind of faded a bit since then. Not that he's been a bad player, but I think he, he went from like an 85 point guy in his yeah. rookie season to like around a 60 point player. And uh, yeah, it just makes you wonder like, how much Trotz's coaching had to do with that or, or how much was that um, playing with John Tavares as a rookie that one season just really kind of amped him up. And now, you know, he's kind of lost that and he's, he played with a more defensively structured coach, obviously, and that's brought him down, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, typically, you know, coaches that have been with another coach for a long time, obviously they, they share the same system or believe in the same systems and philosophies. So yeah, I'm not super, um, confident we're going to see like this new Isles team, like just lighting up the lamp and running all over the ice. I think it'll probably be pretty similar, but maybe, maybe some of the line deployments and, and, and when they use players might be a bit different. Yeah. And, and the, I guess the hope is that uh, Lane Lambert has always wanted to be a more offensive coach <laughs> and hopefully he yeah. sort of brings that to the Islanders. Right. And he just was kind of saddled with the, the, the way Barry Trotz coached, which obviously wasn't bad because he had some great success in winning a, a Stanley cup. Um, another guy in uh, on a new bench and you know, it's funny 
Peter DeBoer has been unemployed for about five minutes since he got into the <laughs> NHL. He went from Florida straight to Jersey, straight to San Jose, straight to Vegas, uh, which is a lot different than like the next guy we're going to talk about after, Bruce Cassidy, who waited a long time before his second job. But Peter DeBoer keeps getting jobs, so something he must be doing right. And he's been to the finals twice with two teams. How is this going to impact Dallas? Obviously, he's really happy because he has his number one scoring option coming back soon. He's got a good young goaltender. What are the expectations in Dallas for star players? Well, I think everyone is most interested in how DeBoer will uh, will sort of help Miro Heiskanen. Uh, Heiskanen is one of those players that is like phenomenal in real life, but in fantasy, it, he's not he's not that. Um, he's not that great of an asset. Like he's a good player, but I think everyone always expects more from him. Um, and when you have him on your roster, I think you're always a little bit underwhelmed um, just because, you know, he, he does a lot of things well. He skates really well. He moves the puck really well, but a lot of times those things don't translate um, to fantasy as much. And I think now with, I think people are thinking with John Klingberg gone, maybe Heiskanen is going to get more of a featured role. And if you look back at um, some of the stops the boar had on your list there, like, in Vegas, he, he did a really great job with Shea Theodore. I think in San Jose, Brent Burns. DeBoer likes to, to get pucked to the net from the point quite a bit. He's, he's kind of that style of coach. And I think uh, those guys are able to pick up a lot of points that way. And I wonder if um, he'll have that effect on Heiskanen because I think a lot of people are, are looking at this year as the chance that Heiskanen breaks out. Yeah, and and guys like that, people have been in been waiting and waiting. And, and I look at, uh, I, I know he's not on this list, but... The, the one good thing about John Tortorella in Philadelphia, I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot, but I think he helps the defense. Maybe a guy like Provorov, uh, like he did with Jones and, and Wierenski. So there's certainly uh, some guys. And, and you know, if you haven't done your draft, then maybe you bump Heisken and up a bit. And if you have, maybe you watch a little bit and put him on that watch list. And, and, and maybe you target somebody a little bit earlier. You target Heisken in from another team a little bit earlier if you see that instant bump uh, in the first few games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could see how he, he'll start deploying him. Uh, maybe he'll get a little bit more power play time. Um, it's just DeBoer's always had a really good impact on those high-end defensemen. And yeah, his teams are, are usually really strong, and that means they'll, they'll put up a lot of points. And uh, yeah, you just you mentioned uh, Tortorella. Just, yeah, like, like you said, I think he will have an impact on the defensive end in Philly. Um, probably not as many flyers are, are fantasy relevant, but yeah, he's always a great coach that preaches uh, block shots. So if you have if you're looking for a defenseman, you have a league with blocks. You could maybe look at some some players like Provorov and stuff like that because Tortorella is definitely good in that area. Yeah, I, I think Ivan Provorov still has a massive ceiling. He's just been mired in in a really really tough situation there in Phil. Like we did the Flyers the other day in my preview, and oof, it's like like a Carter Hart. I think could be a really good fantasy player if you get points, decent points for shots, because he's going to face a yeah. lot of rubber in in Philly. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting one as well. Um, Bruce Cassidy on here. Uh, the impact for Bruce Cassidy is twofold. One on the team he's leaving and one on the team he's joining. And and you can kind of see there, this is what I was talking about with guys getting their second chance. I mean, it took Bruce Cassidy a long time to get back behind an NHL bench. He was, uh, as a head coach, rather. Um, you know, he's had a small stint with the Capitals, and then he was at the Bruins for however many years, uh, six years there, six times in the playoffs, the finals in 2015. But we did hear... Players were unhappy. And then we did see 
players coming back to Boston when Cassidy leaves. So let's start with Boston and the impact Bruce Cassidy leaving is going to have on the Bruins. Yeah, so we, we talked a little bit about Barry Trotz earlier. I, I actually think Bruce Cassidy was probably the most um, defensive-minded coach or goalie-friendly coach in the league in the past five years. And I know a lot of people will first, Trotz will first come to mind, but I think Cassidy really had a huge impact. If you look at Boston's goalies, and I know Tuka Rask obviously had a lot to do with it, but I think Boston in the last five years have ranked in the top five in, in goals against in each of the past five seasons. And I think three times they were first actually. And yeah, a lot of, a lot of that credit would go to somebody like Tuka Rask. But if you look at the other goalies that have come through that system, whether it's like Yaroslav Halak, Jeremy Swayman, Linus Allmark, these aren't necessarily like huge names, but they've all been really viable fantasy options. And I think a lot of that has to do with Cassidy and, and his defensive structure. They're really strong in that regard. So I'm really curious to see how him leaving is going to impact. Um, obviously, somebody like Jeremy Swayman, who's pretty young, doesn't have a ton of experience, um, maybe loses that that structure a little bit. We'll see what sort of uh, systems Jim Montgomery employs. But yeah, I think that's going to hurt them. And obviously, you know, you add in, they're, they're going to missing, be missing some key players for the first couple months you know, McAvoy, Marchant, um, they might be playing in their own end a little bit more because, <laughs> you know, they're missing some of their talented players. That's going to put a little bit more pressure on the goaltending. So I think that combined with with Cassie leaving makes me really curious to see, you know, how Swayman and Allmark are going to do. I know a lot of people really didn't bump Swayman down at all in their in their rankings this year, but I'm interested to see if that impacts them a little bit. Yeah, I, I was one of those guys that I was really high, and, and now I'm thinking, oh, maybe, maybe especially, you know, with McAvoy and Marchand out, I'm like, oh, maybe that wasn't the greatest thing. You know, at midseason, I think Jeremy Swayman could be a really good trade uh, target because, in fantasy, uh, because then, you know, everybody's coming back and they should, like, I, I don't know, I don't think the Bruins are going to win their division, but I'd be shocked if they aren't a playoff team. Like, everybody gets back, the band gets back together, they just have to tread water. So Swayman might be a better guy in midseason or, or quarter away through the season when maybe they've gotten over that rough patch. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I, th- I think if they're going to have some struggles and some issues, you'll probably see it in, in October, November, uh, maybe before the new year. And then, yeah, like you said, I think once the calendar turns, uh, if they're all healthy, I, I think they'll be fine again. And yeah, I think they'll probably be a playoff team. They'll probably just have to fend off Ottawa, I would think, this year. Um, we'll see if they can do that. But yeah, I think in the last few years too, like, and maybe this is my mistake too. A lot of people just count out Boston because they say, oh, they're getting older. You know, Patrice Bergeron is, is whatever, 37 years old now, I think. And they've got David Krejci and Marshawn's up there, but they just keep playing at an elite level. Like a lot of their skaters are, aren't showing any really signs of regression. So that's one thing uh, going for you if you're counting on a lot of Bruins players this year. And then the Bruce Cassidy Vegas effect, um, and and this makes so much more sense now uh, uh, to me in my head anyway of why Kelly McCrimmon went out and brought in Bruce Cassidy because I think it's clear goaltending is going to be the weakest spot uh, and and the the biggest challenge for Vegas because they knew Robin Leonard was out for the year so they get a guy who is goaltender friendly uh, with guys like Laurent Brassois, Logan Thompson, etc. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be needed in Vegas. I think I like their top six. I like their blue line, but they, they, this is a smart move to have a goalie friendly coach in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's probably why they were maybe a little more confident of not going out and bringing in a bigger name when they knew uh, Leonard was going to be injured. I, I know they brought in Aiden Hill. Um, and yeah, you mentioned a couple of others, Thompson and, and Brassois, I think, I think maybe Vegas is a little more confident um, having Cassidy there that they can play a structure that 
that's going to kind of protect protect those three a bit, whoever they end up uh, rolling with to start. But yeah, I think he's he's a great fit there. Um, you know, we know Vegas has a has a lot of talent in the top six, as you mentioned. They have some really uh, really good defense score as well. So yeah, I think if they can just get even you know league average above league average goaltending slightly, I think they'll be they'll be fine. I think Cassidy kind of helps them get there. All right, let's talk a little bit uh, about some players now. Um, and then the one guy we're talking about is Patrick Kane. And, and I think he's trying to listen for some teammates right there to say, like, who is left and, and what is next? And we, like, this is Patrick Kane over the last four years. So he's not regressing by any means. I, and and I, I have him having a massive year this year. Um, what, what do, what, what do you expect from Patrick Kane? I think, like like I said, I think he's going to have a great year. I think eventually he gets traded, which takes his value up even more. But what what's going on in Chicago, in your opinion, and what should people expect out of Kane and, and maybe Taves, who those guys look a lot younger than they are right now. And, man, they're, they're, like they're doing the old uh, Will Smith looking around the room, wondering, wondering where everybody went. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. I mean, uh I, I think I think Taze is probably having a more difficult time with it than Kane. I think you're right. I think Kane will probably be able to to keep his numbers pretty close to what they normally are. Like maybe they take a little bit of a hit because he's he's never really been completely alone. I know they've always he's always had somebody on on his line that's really strong, whether it was you know Panarin or Debrinkat. But Chicago kept sort of uh, offloading those guys for cap reasons. Um, I think maybe Debrinkat was. I think they're just going into a rebuild, but. Yeah, like they're, I think they're going to be in full Connor Bedard mode uh, this year, Chicago. So it, it's probably not going to be too many players on the Blackhawks you're going to want to roster. Um, I think Kane is one. I think Seth Jones is one. But there's not going to be too many outside of that. Um, but yeah, I think one of the things you mentioned that's actually really important with Kane, if you're debating on taking him, is, is that trade element. Um, if he gets moved to a contender at the deadline um, that's really going to boost his value right around the time of uh, fantasy hockey playoffs, obviously. So yeah, if he ends up, cause, cause I think it's probably safe to say that Chicago is going to eat some of his contract and maybe even mm-hmm. a third team. So I think he can go almost anywhere. You know, if he goes to like a Colorado or like uh, New York or Toronto, I think that could be huge for your playoff run. If you, if you're holding on to Kane and he ends up, you know, in the top six on one of those teams for, for a month going into the playoffs, it's going to be really good value for you. Yeah, and like I, I often wonder: is there a chance Kane and Taze would be like, "Hey, we'll stick around to play with Bedard because it would be fun"? But there's no guarantee they're getting Bedard, so they could stick around for the whole year hoping to play for Bedard and end up picking second and not getting Bedard, and then what it is. So I, I you know, and if. Listen, I, I know there's that legacy factor in the NHL, but rebuilding and winning is much more important, in my opinion, than a guy playing his whole year uh, with 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 one team. In my opinion, so I I think at least Kane gets traded, and you know what team wouldn't want Jonathan Taves for the playoffs? I mean, that's a really good guy yeah. to bring in at some point or next year when they become free agents, if if they decide to uh, keep playing in, in Taves's case. So I, I think both of them end up getting dealt personally. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it's it's just really hard. Like you mentioned that legacy player. It's really hard now with the salary cap for that one player to stick, you know, his whole career with one team because you just see so many, you know, kind of peaks and valleys with teams and, and you know, teams go on a great run and then the cap hits you and you have to kind of start fresh and rebuild. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard for, you know, a lot of players to sit through that. And 
you know, to be fair to Kane and Taze, I, th- I think they've been, um, there's been a few lean years now in Chicago that they've stuck around. But yeah, I think they probably um, can see this one's going to be a little bit longer and uh, they're probably going to want to go. I-, I could see them trying to take a shot at a cup at the deadline, like you mentioned, and maybe they can, yeah, sign somewhere where they want in the summer. Yeah, and, and like they had, they've been great players uh, for that organization. They haven't come out and complained or anything like so. They're they're doing all the right things. Uh, the Oilers hope they've done the right things in net. Uh, Jack Campbell, forty-seven games last year he started. That's a career high. That tells you that Jack Campbell has not been, in my opinion, a number one goaltender. Has not played the number one goaltender numbers. So, is this something you're going to be watching this year in Edmonton? Yeah, that's one thing I was a little bit concerned about with Campbell. Um, He's had a real good shot the last few years in Toronto, but obviously he he was with Frederick Anderson for a season and and then Peter Mrazek. And even though Mrazek didn't have a great year last year, he's still a veteran guy with a lot of experience that the Leafs could turn to. So, yeah, I think um, it sounds like Mike Smith's not really going to be an option this year because of injuries. So it's going to be, I think, Campbell and and Stuart Skinner. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I know from his time here in Toronto – he had a little bit of durability issues. You know, there were some times where he would play like three or four games in a row. And then, you know, the team would sort of sit him out for a game because he needed, he needed a bit of a break. And yeah, like you mentioned, 47 games are career high. Um, If you're a number one goalie, I think even now with, with a lot more splits and tandems, you you still probably need to be in that 55 Mm -hmm. game mark. Um, So yeah, if, if he has to play 55, 60 games, you know, will his, Will his numbers um, dip a little bit? You know, he was a little bit streaky last year, obviously. Great first half, not so good second half. And, uh, yeah, I think the Oilers obviously are are probably not going to want to play Stuart Skinner a ton because he's so young. But, uh, yeah, we'll see if Campbell can can carry the load there. He's certainly on a really good team, really strong team. Um, So it'll be interesting. And maybe that's a reason to, you know, keep an eye on, on Stuart Skinner on your waiver wire, right? Does Skinner get in? 35 games this year maybe and Mm -hmm. on a really strong team that could be that could be some sneaky value uh, for you as well yeah I actually think Stuart Skinner is going to challenge Jack Campbell more than than people think I think still Jack Campbell's going to be the guy but uh, that's a really good point Stuart Skinner could get you some nice backup points uh, in fantasy and and now Johnny Gaudreau um, you know there was a lot of big stories in the offseason Maybe none more surprising than this one when everybody thought he was going to Philly or the Islanders and Columbus seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, I'll say this. I don't think Matthew Kachuk or Johnny Gaudreau, I think they both take dips this year. I think Jonathan Huberdeau is going to take an uptick. So I think out of those situations, he's going to be the guy that's going to improve. I'm not saying that Gaudreau isn't, doesn't have options, but I don't like his options in Columbus as much as I liked him in Calgary. Where do you see Gaudreau and Columbus and that whole fit? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I think, I think obviously he's a tremendous player and I think he'll play with Patrick Laine. And I think the thing is, Laine is just a different player than Kachuk and Lindholm, right? Like he's a finisher. Um, he's not necessarily a, a go into the corners guy and get the puck um, like Kachuk is or, and like Lindholm is. And obviously there's going to be a third player on that line, whether it's Boone Jenner or Jack Roslevic or somebody else that, that's not going to be as strong as, as the other two that Goudreau played with last year. So obviously I think he's probably going to bring more to the, to the blue jackets and, and to that line than, than the team is giving to him. But yeah, I'm with you. I think both him and Kachuk um, probably uh, come back down a little bit more this year. I think Kachuk more than Goudreau, but still, yeah, I think it'll be a different experience for him kind of 
um, not having maybe some of those workhorse players around him that are, that are going to dig up the puck and get him, get him the puck a lot. Even he'll probably have to play without the puck a lot more this year in Columbus, which will, which will be an adjustment, but yeah, I think he's, he's definitely going to, going to prop up guys like line a and whoever gets that center spot. So, so I think, you know, those guys might be, obviously if you have a chance to get Goudreau, he's still a great player, but those guys might be more ones to look at as he's going to probably help them more than they're going to help him. Yeah, and I, I think Warensky maybe gets a bit of an uptick with a, a guy like Gaudreau as well, as we you know we saw some defensemen do it. But um, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I I give Columbus a lot of credit for going out and doing it and see if they can uh, build around them. Uh, a f- I have a former Columbus head coach winning the Jack Adams this year. Uh, this is my uh, top three candidates for the Jack Adams. I'm bullish on the Rangers. I think Gerard Gallant's a really good players coach. Uh, Jared Bednar obviously gets some consideration and the, the coach of the year always seems to be a little bit of a most improved uh, trophy. So uh, DJ Smith gets my nod. What do you think? Is anybody uh, doesn't belong on this list? Do you think? No, I think those are those are three good candidates. Uh, I think one other name I would just mention. You, you mentioned it's uh, a lot of times goes to the most improved, and I and I wonder if um, we mentioned Lane Lambert earlier. If the Islanders have a bounce back season, like a lot of people mm-hmm. think they might be able to, if he if he gets some consideration as well, because I think last year they just had a, a perfect storm of of injuries and an early bout with uh, COVID that just kind of sunk them. So I wonder. I think they're actually a lot better than they showed last year. So if they can bounce back, I think uh, Lambert might also be in the mix. Very cool. And lastly, I'll just uh, throw up my, uh, this is my projected, actually I'll throw up, this is the, uh, this is the top scoring right wingers, according to NHL.com. I know guys move around. It's, it's harder and harder to narrow down positions these days, but these are the top scoring right wingers from last year. And this is my prediction for top scorers. I'm not bullish on Tampa Bay this year, except Kucherov, because he's missed time. The other guys have played so much. Um, and and I, I think Tage Thompson has steps up. I think Svechnikov has a bit of year. I think Mark Stone has a bounce back because of Jack Eichel. Uh, but, you know, everybody has their predictions, and this is what I'm looking at for, for right-wingers this year. What are your thoughts on this, and uh, do you think anybody else maybe I'm, I'm missing out on or not giving enough credit? Uh, I like the Kucherov pickup there. I think he's uh, going to be really good value in drafts. I think a lot of people are, are scared off by, uh, yeah, some of the, the injury concerns you mentioned, but his points per game um, have been off the charts. They always are. So if, if he can stay healthy, yeah, I can see him having a huge year. I also like your uh, inclusion of Vladimir Tarasenko in a contract year. Um, mm-hmm. He seems to be a guy that plays plays really well. Um, you know, nobody wanted him last year in a trade. He came out, had a great season, I think, in a contract year. He could uh, he could do the same again. But, yeah, I think uh, this this list looks pretty complete. Um, yeah, I think you could also have maybe William Nylander on there could mm-hmm. be uh, for a big year. But, uh, yeah, that looks good. You know, that's one thing about fantasy is knowing, you know, this is a contract. Like John Klingberg, I think it's a contract year for year. I think he's going to be big. I I put him in the Norris conversation because I think he's going to have a big bounce back. And also, I have him in fantasy, and I like to push out positive karma to my players sometimes. So give them a big bit of a boost. But a contract year is such a big thing to know about uh, when a player, because we often see the motivation goes up quite a bit. Yeah, like it's a prove-it deal for Klingberg. And you look at someone like Nazem Kadri last year, took advantage of it, right? Had a huge fantasy season. So, yeah, definitely stuff to watch for. 
Yeah, guys uh, betting on themselves for sure. Michael, this has been uh, a lot of fun. Uh, next week when we're chatting, we are actually going to be talking about guys and fantasy points already. We can get into some specific matchups. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I know people are going to enjoy uh, your stuff, uh, obviously, at Sportsnet, uh, at Goalie Post, uh, Dauber Hockey, and we're going to give away a Dauber Hockey Fantasy Guide here uh, when we wrap up as well. So thank you so much, uh, as always, uh, for joining me every Thursday, and I uh, can't wait for the season to start tomorrow and the real season, the actual season, to start next week. Thanks so much, man. No problem. Looking forward to the real games. Thanks, Dean. Okay. There is uh, Michael Amato. I don't know what is going on with the, the keyboard, but that was fun. I, like, I think it's interesting. Sometimes you just look at, like, oh, who's the best players? Oh, they, I'm going to try to draft these best players. But you need to know contract year, type of coach, coaching change, all these different things uh, play huge roles in uh, playing time and, and all kinds of things like that. Um, okay, so... If you would like to win a Dauber Hockey Fantasy Guide, here's the question. You have to be in our Twitch chat. You have to drop the answer in the Twitch chat. First person to answer this question will win a Dauber Fantasy Hockey Guide. All right. In that conversation we just had with Mike... Name the first coach we talked about. Who was the first coach we talked about in that segment? He's a first ever head coach in the NHL. That's your hint. And he replaced a Stanley Cup champion. That's your other hint. If you can drop the name of the first coach Mike and I discussed in the Twitch chat, I will be getting in your hands a Dauber Hockey Fantasy Guide, and they are awesome. 